Welcome back to Public Health Plus, the bonus episode. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So, unfortunately, we live in a country with multiple recurring tragedies in terms of gun violence. Uh, There must be a term for this. Mass shootings. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I wasn't sure where where you're going with that. But yes, yeah, mass shootings are very frequent in the U.S. But I will also say, I think the focus on mass shootings, while they are important and should be focused on for prevention, it distracts us from the gun violence that's happening every day. It's not just mass shooting incidents. We've got a 100 people dying every day from a gun-related injury. The majority of that is suicide, but we still have a lot of interpersonal violence that is not to the level of a mass shooting and doesn't get that same attention. Yeah, community-level violence as well. Yeah, definitely gun, gun violence is an issue that is a lot more nuanced and a lot more deep than what these media reportings of mass shooting makes it out to be. But I brought that up because every time there's a mass shooting, people jump in with opinions, right? They're they're happy to comment and debate. And invariably, someone, I'm not going to say which side of the political spectrum, but someone <laughs> suggests that oh, the solution is the good guy with a gun solution. So I think you'll explain it better. What is the good guy with a gun solution? Well, after the Sandy Hook shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, uh, Wayne LaPierre very famously NRA said- NRA chief, former chief. No, he's the still the executive of the Oh, he's the NRA. still there? Oh, wow. He was okay. just reelected despite all of the oh my God. <laughs> shenanigans going on on the financial side. But right. he very famously said, the only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And so they've been pushing very hard to have more people carrying guns in- more places. Right. So the idea that we can prevent this when someone else has a gun, quote unquote, takes down the the bad guy, right? That's the whole idea that they're pushing. Their solution is more guns, essentially. Absolutely. More guns, less crime is the hypothesis, (laughs) which this was actually based on a book written by John Lott and published back in the 90s. And It's been used by proponents of sort of expanding gun carrying and expanding gun rights to advocate that we should have more people carrying guns in more places and that they will be able to deter crime or otherwise intervene if an incident occurs. Just very briefly, who is this person? John Lott, he's an economist. He has had a lot of his research debunked. He has some issues with methodology, with data, etc. But his mm-hmm. narrative is one that was very appealing. He is a frequent individual called to testify anytime someone is advocating for expanding any kind of gun right, gun carrying in particular, he's often called upon to rehash his more guns, less crime hypothesis. Despite the methodological issues. Correct. Okay. That's very interesting how that works. Um, We're going to do a whole episode on scientific integrity. Yeah. I think of, I'm trying to be very measured in my no this is the bonus cast oh, spicy is, let's go spicy episode okay so what john lott has done for advancing the flawed hypothesis of more guns less crime mm. i equate with the flawed lancet paper that found a link uh, wakefield between vaccines and autism that was flawed right he just he was debunked several times you know, it was yeah. just bad <laughs> yeah. research And so when I think about the expansion of gun carrying in the U.S. and sort of the policy decisions that have been made based on that work, I I draw some parallels between 
Lot and Wakefield. That was a uh, cayenne pepper, not so much ghost pepper, but <laughs> still sp- a spicy take, hot take from Cass. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm a little bit too much in work <laughs> mode, Cass. Like you're you're getting Doctor Crafasi more today than Cass because it's a it's a work related topic. It is a work related thing, so you have to be more reserved. That's completely understandable. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I don't have to be more reserved. I just default into my like pointy headed academic. <laughs> personality. I mean, you're in this field, so that's like completely understandable. I have the luxury of being like an outsider, so I can comment whatever I want with some limits, of course. But yeah, so when I hear this solution, I am both puzzled and frustrated by this on many levels. First of all, this is not prevention, right? Because the idea of good guy with a gun, it's predicated on the assumption that a shooting has happened. Not necessarily. So as much as I hate to push back on this a little bit, one of the core principles of the good guy with a gun Uh theory that people are pushing is that simply having armed civilians will deter people from robbing them or deter people from engaging in violence because you don't know if someone might be armed. Now, it is flawed. It is flawed. Because what we have seen happen is it's not that people are less likely to rob or less likely to assault or engage in other violence. It's just that the people who are doing the robbing, assaulting, or violence engaging then also are carrying firearms because they don't know if other people are armed. And so it's actually sort of led to this cyclical, oh, you might be armed, so I'm going to be armed. Oh, you know, I might be armed, so you're going to get armed. And it just sort of feeds on itself. So the idea is that you could deter crime from happening in the first place, which doesn't doesn't work. There's not a lot of research supporting that. But then the second piece, you're right. The the second piece is if something happens, then somebody is armed and can intervene, which we know that doesn't work well either. So if you think about the, the mass shooting that happened in Ohio, police responded and shot and killed the perpetrator. I think it was like 45 seconds, maybe because it was an outdoor festival. There's a lot of law enforcement around. He still managed to fire over 100 rounds and injure and kill lots of people, but there were armed, you know, sort of the the best of the armed interveners, right? There were sort of law enforcement there who were supposed to be trained to interact and respond to these types of incidents. And he still, he was too fast. He was able to shoot too many rounds before they could get there. So it's sort of a flawed argument. So, you know, thank you for that because it's flawed in ways that I didn't anticipate it to be flawed. So thank you for clarifying that. It is my job. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely a flawed argument. And second of all, I feel like this will bring up so many legal headaches. Like what if the good guy was aiming at the bad guy, but he misfired and he was and it hit someone else. Is he responsible now? And also, as we know, laws in the United States don't really get applied equitably. So like what happens when it was uh, a black person holding a gun? Do you think he's going to get the legal protection that, you know, that a white person holding a gun might get? So I just feel like this opens up so many legal headaches. Yeah, you're totally right. And there's a couple of issues here. So there are some organizations that actually sell insurance to people who have a concealed carry license so that if they use their firearm, they will get supposedly a lawyer on their behalf that they're supposed to call if they use their firearm. And so if they do hit an innocent bystander or if something goes wrong, they're supposed to be able to get 
protection. Now, there's a whole bunch of issues with the, that insurance. Like there, some states don't allow them to sell it because it's not actually insurance. It's sort of a fraudulent product. Not all of them. I'm, I'm generalizing. Some of them have been classified as such. The other issue that you raised is equity, right? So I'm not sure if listeners know the story of Philando Castile. He was pulled over by law enforcement. He was a lawful and permitted concealed carry, concealed carrier, carrying a concealed firearm lawfully with a license. And he informed police when he went to reach for his wallet that just so you know, I am carrying a firearm. I have a license. I'm reaching for my wallet. And they shot and killed him. Yeah. So we know that there are different ways that law enforcement reacts to people who are carrying firearms. There are different ways that the public react to people carrying firearms. And in some instances, there are some racist roots to firearm policies in response to things like the Black Panthers protesting during the civil rights movement. So there's a lot of issues. Yeah, lots of legal headache with this sort of approach when it comes to prevention. The third level of frustration that I have, and this is the one I really want to focus on, on this bonus, spicy bonus, is... Do people think it's easy to be a hero? Like, I think I think action movies and action TV shows has just made it look so easy to just for any person to just pick up a firearm and just like, bam, bam, bam. I told you this off tape or off camera. I don't know how, how what's the right term for this, but I told you this. But like I shot a not even a real gun, but I like a virtual reality gun. And it was it was really good VR. It wasn't a game. It was like a legit like shooting VR and the bottle was 20 feet away and it took me like six shots to hit it and i was standing perfectly still like it was it was a vr gun so it wasn't even heavy because i'm holding a controller there was no wind there was no there was no elevation there was bright lighting and i was just like okay if i just line up my sights and i just point directly at it, it's only 20 feet away i should be able to hit it but like it took me six shots and like over a minute to hit a bottle and yeah, like this is people who've never held guns before. They probably don't know how hard it is to use it. Right. And in that VR situation you were in, you don't have to worry about recoil. Uh, no, there was no recoil at all. Or, you know, the muzzle snap, right? When it sort of bounces up and down in addition to the gun sort of coming back into your body. So it is challenging. And I think to your point, video games and movies and TV shows can make it seem easier than it is. But also the training that people go through when they get a concealed carry license can make people feel like they are a hero and that they can intervene. And there's basically no reality check for these people to say, well, actually, can you do what you think you can do? And add on to that, there are some, I won't call it virtual reality, but there's some sort of immersive different scenarios that people have created. For example, the NRA had one for a while. It was like a a 180 screen in front of the participant and it was a bank robbery. Right. So you knew going into the scenario that it was a bank robbery and you're supposed to stop the bad guys, right? And it sort of feeds into that, oh, I'm a good guy with a gun and kind of thing. They gamified it almost. Yeah, but not just gamified it, but set you up to feel like you- You were the hero. You were a hero and that you could- intervene. And what we actually see in the data, it's very rare. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Certainly people use their guns in self-defense effectively every year, but it's more rare than people think it is. And when you look at the National Crime Victimization Survey, we actually find that using a gun in self-defense doesn't reduce your likelihood of being injured. It doesn't reduce your likelihood of having property stolen compared to doing basically any other kind of defensive activity, including running away. For sure. And the reason why I brought this up is because 
I read an article about you. I don't know if you you didn't write this, but I read an article about you. I didn't. I didn't write it. No, I was interviewed for it though. You developed, or your team developed, this VR system that's trying to fight this myth, essentially. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So, what does the VR system do? Yeah. So first, I want to say I'm very, very grateful to the David and Lucille Packard Foundation for funding this project because it was very challenging to find a funder willing to fund the development of a technology that doesn't really exist. So what we did, we worked with a collaborator who his primary job is at the Applied Physics Lab, Mm -hmm. but he also has a, a side job developing different VR systems. And he worked with us to develop a system that will test the accuracy and appropriateness of civilian gun use in common situations they might encounter. So we have a convenience store as our environment. We've got a whole bunch of equipment that Blake has custom designed that will test when somebody puts their hand on a firearm, where their hand is, the different pressure, trigger pressure, etc. And basically the scenario is you walk into a convenience store to buy some water. And when you get to the water cooler, an altercation starts behind them. And in one scenario, it's a shoplifter or sort of suspected shoplifting, and then the other, it's an armed robbery. And so there are two different scenarios that require two different kinds of interactions or reactions, excuse me, from the participant. And so we're just now getting to the place where we can start pilot testing the system. And we're really excited to see how people do, because I think, as we talked about earlier, people come out of some of these training classes with a sense of, oh, you know, I can shoot at the range. You know, I've learned these different tactics. Hero complex almost. Yeah, I, I can intervene. I can do all these things. But there's there's no no laws in place, no trainings in place that require people to demonstrate that they can safely and lawfully use their firearms. Now, interestingly, we have public opinion polling data. About 80% of U.S. adults, including two-thirds of gun owners, say if you apply for a concealed carry license, you should have to pass a test saying you can safely and lawfully use a firearm in common situations you might encounter. Mm-hmm. But we have nothing like that. In fact, the trend in the US is to remove those of restrictions, <laughs> to remove any kind of permitting requirements. And so we wanted to build something that if we can test it and show that it's effective and that it does what we say it will do, that we can make it available to people to use and, and test and see, okay, like as a, as a reality check, basically for people. You should definitely have like a few where just nothing happens. Oh, yes, we do. So uh, we worked with law enforcement consultants and our public health lawyers to develop these two scenarios. So in the shoplifting scenario, there is absolutely nothing that would trigger an appropriate firearm use. Yeah, no indicators, right? Right. In no way, shape or form would it be appropriate for someone to pull their firearm. And we want to see what happens because we hear stories, we talk with gun owners, we hear them complaining sort of egregious one that sticks in my head. We were doing focus groups with gun owners in Texas and they shared with me how frustrated they were that this woman with a concealed carry permit was walking into a Home Depot. Somebody went running out with a cart full of stolen tools. The person's running away. Actual shoplifting. Actual shoplifting. This was an actual event that they were recounting. And the woman pulled out her gun and started shooting into the parking lot at the person who was running away, which was not appropriate. Stolen property is no one's life was imminently in danger. That is not an acceptable use of a firearm. At a parking lot, no less. Right. That informed this particular scenario where law enforcement agreed, lawyers agreed. There's really no acceptable reason for someone to pull a firearm. I think that's wonderful. And we're also randomizing the quote unquote suspect 
in the shoplifting and the robbery case to either be a white or black male to see if there's any differences by race. That sounds like such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Please, when you have data, we have to come back and and talk about this because it will be interesting either way. And there's a range nearby where you can do, it's called the Individual Defensive Pistol Association. And basically they set up different scenarios with different bad guys. Some of them move, some of them don't move. They're like paper targets that are on movers and different things. And, you know, I'm, I'm a good shot. I go to the range regularly, like a, a non-moving target I can hit pretty well. But you get into that situation and things start moving and you're, you're under pressure and it's under time and you got to make sure you hit all the targets. And man, it is... It's hard. Um, I just self-edited there. You should be proud of me. I, I didn't swear. <laughs> Restraint. Um, yeah, that Save way you didn't have editing. to do a, a redacted later. <laughs> um, and there are innocent bystanders in these different scenarios. And yeah, I, I hit a lot of them. And that is a fantastic reality check for one's capacity. But the problem is not everywhere has those types of opportunities available to people. To help them reality check, right? Yeah, exactly. And so hopefully this system can substitute eventually, one would hope, a more cost-effective way as opposed to what it costs right now for the system, which is, you know, expensive. But hopefully we can, you know, build it out and and have it on like an Oculus that somebody could test it on their own or, or maybe a firearms instructor at the end of class. Everyone has to go through some different scenarios. And, and down the line, you know, we'd like to build up more scenarios. We want to have female gendered suspects as well, just to see how differently people react. Anyway, we're really excited about this opportunity. Sure. I am too. And uh, definitely reach out to like Steam and those VR companies because I'm sure someone is interested in this. But yeah, this is such a wonderful thing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. And tune in on Thursday for our regularly scheduled programming.